1: four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to Melanie to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress, and I am not kidding. That's right, unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I am just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at melanieavalonscloset.com. That's melanieavalonscloset.com for all of the clothes none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing.
2: That's Melanie New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. BeautyCounter.com/Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show.
0: Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 58 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. And this will date us a little bit, but happy Mother's Day. Jen. Oh, thank you, thank you. Are, are you doing anything with your family, or I guess your sons are
3: not? No. <laughs> yeah, one son is in um, California. He started his job with Apple for the summer. He's a summer intern there, so he's there. I've, um, I did get Mother's Day greetings from both of them, though. The other one is still finishing up his third quarter at at SCAD in Savannah, so they did wish me a happy Mother's Day, but that was it.
0: Any special <laughs> dinner plans?
3: I'm going to cook okay. as usual. We went out last night. My husband has decided that, um, because you know, I've been cooking every single night. So he's like, okay, once a week we're going to do something else. We're going to go out. So we went out to eat last night. You know, it's always easier to get out to eat the day before Mother's Day than than on Mother's Day itself. So, But it's so hard for me to pick somewhere that's worth going. I'm like – all right, it's got to be really fabulous and as good as something I could make at home. So, so where did you go? We went to this place that I had um, heard about. A lot of people talking about it. it's this pizza place that um, you, you make your they, – they put whatever you want on the pizza, and it's, like, homemade, high quality. I mean, it's not homemade, you know what I mean, but they make their own dough. And so we had um, pizza, and we had a, a Greek salad, and it was delicious. Very nice. It was good. You could put whatever you want on there, so that was good. I'm like topping it with all the veggies and
0: um oh, I would fun. did they have a gluten free crust? I mean I wouldn't eat it. You know, but... I think
3: I think <laughs> that they I think that they do have a gluten free crust. They probably crust. do. Yeah.
0: I wonder do they have like a I wonder if they have like a non crust crust. Like oh, I, I, don't I don't would I would want so. to make like my own. Like pizza. a cauliflower crust or something. Yeah, or like yeah. basically just get all the toppings and no it wouldn't even be a pizza. I'd be like I would well, they, I would they, build a pizza and I'd be like but just don't put it on the crust.
3: <laughs> they could probably do that. They have like a wood-fired pizza oven right there and they pop it in and then bring it to you. It was really good. We enjoyed it. It was definitely worth going out to eat.
0: Well, one we So
3: did you do anything special for your mom?
0: I well, I the sound. I texted her <laughs> Happy Mother's Thank Day, you. but she's coming. Actually, my family's coming out next week, so oh, I have good. I have a present for her. I have like all the stuff for her. So I told her when she comes that I have
3: the you stuff. Celebrated in person. Yes,
0: good. exactly. Yeah. I'm excited for them to come because we're gonna go. Finally, there's some like major big things I need for my apartment, so we're gonna go shopping for that. Like like I need a table. Yeah, I need a TV. And all the things <laughs>
3: yeah. well that's good so Parent, parents are good for that sort of thing helping you figure it all out yes so how's the goat bed oh my goodness <laughs> it's
0: <laughs> it's better it, it it's it's pretty much gone except it comes in like like whiffs every now and then like it, it like haunts me you know like haunted hotels where they say they smell like the perfume of the dead people or whatever. yeah so the goat like makes its appearance known occasionally
3: oh that's funny here i am it's but (laughs) it's (laughs) i know
0: it's weird (laughs) um but i really like the mattress so i think i think it's here to stay and so i have a story though from that day that i told you i had to tell you about so while we okay. were recording and we cut this out so the listeners didn't know, but while we were recording some like random man came and knocked on my door and he was asking if I had if I was having a leak because the apartment above me was having plumbing problems and it was all okay. And so then when we stopped recording um like right after we stopped recording, I went into the the bathroom and at that exact moment there's like a light over the toilet and at that exact moment water started pouring oh, no. from the ceiling right when i was under it from the oh, unit no. above it was it was a tragedy
3: <laughs> uh,
0: i had to oh, get a bucket gosh. it was like raining in my in the bathroom
3: yeah i had that happen in an apartment that we lived in one time it was um these apartments that um it was like New Year's Eve of 2000, right? <laughs> like 99 turning into 2000. So it was like a big, big day. And the, um, the apartment above us started leaking right into our apartment. It was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. And I
0: just happened to be right underneath it.
3: Oh, gosh. And then you're like, oh, this water is coming from where? I did smell. Where? I know. It <laughs> was, but it smelled <laughs> like chlorine.
0: So I don't know. Okay. I don't know what it Ugh. was from. Ugh.
3: Well, it was so bad. Yuck. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I assume they got that all taken care of.
0: I think so. They had a professional That's cleaning good. crew come and clean the whole bathroom, which was nice. So. That is good. Yeah. Although. All 12 in Although and 12. the cleaning guy came and I was like, can you not use any of your cleaning stuff? And then I went and got all of my cleaning stuff, which is like all natural. And I was like, just use this. Right. And he was like, um, yeah. Okay. He's probably never been asked that before. <laughs>
3: I don't know. You'd probably be surprised. I bet they have, especially in California, right? That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they've seen it all. That's what I like to think anyway.
0: That's probably true. Yeah. All right. Shall we jump into everything for today?
3: Yes. Let's get started. We first have some um, listener feedback from Lauren. And Lauren says, hi, ladies. First, thank you both for all you do for the IF movement. Your podcast has been instrumental in my journey so far. I especially appreciate the book, Delay, Don't Deny. It has become my mantra during times when I want to eat for emotional reasons. Intermittent fasting has changed my life. I am 34 years old. I have been an IFer for almost eight weeks now. In the beginning, all I wanted was to see movement on the scale. I was obsessed with the scale. I have PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian. Is it syndrome? The S is for syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And suffer with infertility. Before, I rarely had a period. I'm talking like once a year I had a period. After one week of IF, I started my period. At the time, I thought it was a huge coincidence. I haven't seen a huge amount of movement on the scale. Right now, I am losing about one pound a week, but it doesn't matter because I started my period again this week. I literally had a 35-day cycle. I am tearing up as I write this, Because this is a very major thing. I have hope again. My body is healing from the inside out. I hope this serves as encouragement for anyone who is not seeing huge results on the scale. To those people, I say keep going. Your body is healing. And even if I never lose another pound, although I know I will, IF is great for your body. I think every person on the planet should fast. Lots of love, Lauren. And Lauren, thank you so much for sharing that. That made me want to tear up too. Just, you know, knowing that that you can see your body is healing. Um, and from what I've heard about or what I've read and what I know about polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, it really is very much connected with insulin resistance and insulin problems. So I think that intermittent fasting is a, a great um, way to tackle the issues that your body goes through. We've actually had, Melanie, some women, We I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast or not, but... Um, some women in the intermittent fasting support groups who suffer from PCOS, and they have actually become pregnant after adopting an intermittent fasting lifestyle after being told it would be very difficult for them due to the medical condition. So that's very exciting to hear. Wow,
0: that's, that's wonderful. And Yeah, I know um, there's a lot of debate and arguments about <laughs> fasting and fertility and women and hormones and everything, but PCOS seems to be the one thing in that whole sphere that seems to benefit pretty consistently from right. IF. Just from what I've seen in the the literature, there's been quite a few studies actually on PCOS and fasting, and it seems to always have a beneficial effect, which is... Yeah, if
3: the, if the problem has to do with too much circulating insulin, then you would expect IF to really make a difference. And also... I wanted to say, Lauren mentioned that she was losing about a pound a week, and that is actually typical and normal. So that's really good progress, Lauren. So hopefully you'll, that'll keep up as well. But I'm so excited about the healing benefits. That's the most important thing.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. The studies I read about PCOS were linking it to the whole effect on the nerve central nervous system and stress yeah. hormones and everything.
3: So it's it's so there's so much that is tied together in the body. I've actually seen an article that referred to it as, like, I don't remember the exact wording, but as, like, a type of diabetes of the ovaries or something. I mean, not exactly, but it was they, – they referred to it in that regard. You know, just like I've seen um, Alzheimer's referred to in an article as, you know, like, type 3 diabetes. Like, that mm-hmm. also may be connected. Heard, yeah, di- yeah. I can't remember the exact wording, but it, it was a similar kind of thing as, as you know, calling Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes.
0: Alrighty, so we do have another listener feedback email, and this one comes from Sarah, and the subject is Peptase side effects, and Sarah says, hi ladies, love the show, you guys keep us all so involved about IF. I decided to try out peptase as I had bad sinuses. The first time I took it on an empty stomach, as directed, I went to work, and within four hours, I had gastro-like symptoms. It lasted about 24 hours. I didn't take any more for about a month as I wasn't sure what caused it. I thought it may have been the water at work. Today, I took another one on an empty stomach and got gastro symptoms within four hours. Since then, I've been researching and there are multiple testimonies with the exact same result. I don't want to make this a negative review, but I just thought it makes sense to let people know in case they experience similar side effects, they will know exactly what it is and to stop taking it keep up the great content thanks Sarah and it's it's funny we actually received this question after recording the the crazy long Sarah Peptase <laughs> episode that we recorded um, but I thought that that was appropriate timing and just we we lauded the benefits of serapeptase and then we've started like a serapeptase movement almost but um i guess listeners should definitely know that if you have a sensitive gi tract or if it just doesn't work for you it is possible that serapeptase can create gastro symptoms so that is something to keep in mind
3: yeah we've heard that in the facebook groups too from people who have people who have tried it so um yeah don't take it if it if it doesn't make you feel good or, if, you know, if you, if you don't need it, don't take it just because we take it. But I know that Sarah said she was taking it for sinuses, which is one thing it's supposed to be great for. So
0: so for listeners, if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 58, that's where we put links and references and everything about the episode. And so I'll put a link to the episode where we actually discussed peptase in
3: great detail.
0: So you can go there.
3: All right. Shall we jump into the questions? Yes. Our first question is from Heather, and the subject is fasting without weight loss. And Heather says, is it possible to fast for all of the health benefits but maintain my weight? I have just started the sixteen-eight fasting and cannot afford to drop any weight. So what do you say about that, Melanie?
0: All righty. So we did receive this question very recently, but I saw it. And I was like, I have to put this on the podcast because it speaks uh, near and dear to my heart, especially right now trying to gain weight. And my personal thoughts on the matter is that actually I think intermittent fasting is great for maintaining weight once you do reach the weight that's beneficial for you. And I think most people do find that they sort of maintain. And I actually maintain. um, I've just been maintaining at a very low weight. And I will say it's... (laughs) depending on who you are, if you're like me, it can be actually a little bit difficult to gain to gain weight with intermittent fasting. So the reason I – something I wanted to tell Heather was, and, um, and listeners as well, is I wouldn't worry so much about maintaining, but if you do find that you are losing too much, I encourage you to stop yourself before you get there by either making sure that you're eating – Adequate amount of food in your in your eating window. So increasing just you know the calories, the amount of fat, the carbs, whatever works best for you. Um, you can also do a a longer eating window. I mean Heather's already doing sixteen eight, so she's not doing one meal a day. But you can always extend your eating window. You can always do intermittent fasting. You don't have to do it every single day. You can flip things up. I guess I just wanted to bring this up because it speaks near and dear to my heart right now. I think it's harder to gain weight than maintain, if that makes sense, because I think the body is very good at maintaining weights that I think most people see that, um, except for people who are, you know, perpetually gaining or perpetually losing for whatever, you know, health reason that in general, the body likes homeostasis and doesn't really like fluctuating that much. And especially when you're in an IF pattern where you're following a more regimented eating schedule, I think the body is really good at maintaining weights, especially with intermittent fasting. Once you do lose excess weight and reach a weight that's beneficial for your body. So what are your thoughts, Jen?
3: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. My husband does sixteen eight loosely and he is um, not trying to lose weight. So he, he did lose some weight though to start with, and then, you know, he's he's leveled off. He's gotten to a point where he's not losing anymore. And same thing with me. You know, I do a one-meal-a-day pattern within a loose five-hour window, but I'm not losing, like, huge amounts of, of size, although I am um, continuing to shape up in areas like my belly that needs a little bit to still go. So <laughs> I, I do think a 16-8 pattern is a great one to not lose weight within – um, I actually found out my son that's in California, the one that he's twenty, he's actually doing intermittent fasting now. Oh, which really? is so funny. Yeah. He um he just finished his third year of college and when he went off for freshman year, he did get a little pudgy. Right? Not I mean he's he's still really he's not he was not chubby at all, but he got a little belly, like a little tiny belly. So um he actually has started doing kind of a loose sixteen eight himself he's gotten rid of the belly and he sent me a photo at the apple office where he's working they have like snacks all the time oh i've
0: heard i've heard at apple i've heard about apple
3: yeah he did send me a photo of the snacks but then he sent me a photo of what he was having which was black coffee and sparkling water and i was like oh i was like proud mama you know some (laughs) people are proud their child is having an internship at apple right of course i am (laughs) But I was proud that he was drinking black coffee and having sparkling water. Oh nice. So I was like, that's my boy. So anyway, back to, to Heather. You know, just make it make it so that you're eating plenty of food and having um those high calorie foods and the fats and I have plenty of butter. That always helps me. <laughs> have those treats that you're you're looking for.
0: Alrighty. righty. Yeah, I will I will say for me, I've noticed my problem now is even when I substantially, substantially, substantially increase my calories, I just get really hot right after. And I'm like, uh-huh. body? Like, there I can tell go. my body's literally just burning, like compensating. I'm like, no, yeah.
3: stop. stop. Like, just true. store this as fat. Don't burn no. it off. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> no, I get it. Yes, yesterday, we actually ate twice because we went early. And then I, I was hungry again. Cause it, we ate, it. we ate it like five and I don't usually eat at five and we split the salad and we split the pizza. So I was like, I'm going to need to eat again later. This is not going to be enough food. So later I had some leftovers from the day before that I had my eye on and I was glad that I was still hungry to eat them. And I ate that. And then later I was so hot. My husband's like, why are you so hot? I'm like, all <laughs> that food. And I had ice cream. So <laughs> I had yeah. pizza and salad and then pasta and then ice cream. And I was just burning hot. <laughs> Yep. Our body can compensate for sure. Excellent. Yeah. Take that calories in, calories out, right? I know. (laughs) It's so frustrating. (laughs) I'm like living
0: proof of that right now.
1: epic presence for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee.
0: So the next email comes from Christina. Actually, we have two emails that are sort of, sort of a little bit related. Uh, the subject for Christina is Alka-Seltzer and another exercise question. Christina says... Hi, Melanie and Jen. I've been listening to your podcast since you started and have closely absorbed every episode. I especially like listening toward the end of my daily fast. I do a 17-7 as it helps me get through my last few hours of hunger. I have two questions which I hope are short and I don't think you've covered yet. Number one, first of all, I know you're going to reiterate clean fast only and wonder why everyone is always asking if certain things are quote okay during a fast. I stick to clean fasting and don't have any issue with it and don't have any issue with it except on mornings when I want to drink Alka-Seltzer. I often feel a little nauseous in the mornings and I really like fizzy water, but I love the taste of baking soda, so I've been drinking Alka-Seltzer on some mornings. It has baking soda and citric acid, and it's the citric acid I'm concerned about. What do you think? And then actually before I read the rest of her email, we have another email from Stephanie. Her subject is: Is this allowed? And she says, "I know that Jen is all about a clean fast, and I want to comply. So, how do you feel about drinking club soda or seltzer water during the fast? Thank you. So, before we go on to the rest, rest of Christina's question, how do we feel about Alka Seltzer, soda waters, the bubbles, all of that? I know we talked about Lacroix in the past, but that's flavored. So, this right. is the non-flavored."
3: Stuff. Oh, yeah. I am a huge fan of of sparkling things myself. In fact, right now I'm drinking some Italian sparkling mineral water. This is not San Pellegrino, though. We, My husband has discovered that Costco's own Kirkland's brand is cheaper, so we're trying that now. Oh, nice. <laughs> but, yeah, I love to have something sparkling. And it's, you know, when I switch over from coffee, I switch over to the, the sparkling mineral water. Of course, unflavored um, and unsweetened is what you're looking for. So, Stephanie – Club soda, seltzer water, unflavored, unsweetened, absolutely have it as much as, as you would like. Um, unless you find it makes you hungrier every now and then. There's somebody who says that the, the sparkling will make them hungrier, just even the plain. But if it doesn't make you hungry, I mean, it actually helps me not be hungry. So um, anyway, so back to the Alka-Seltzer now that's interesting <laughs> that that she like that you like to um, drink alka seltzer, Christina. That you like the taste of the um, the baking soda. Um, you know, if you're worried about the um, the citric acid, then you could always put some baking soda into some regular sparkling water, and then you wouldn't have to worry about that at all. Um, as far as citric acid goes, we've talked about it on the podcast before, and um, I know that it. It's something I would probably consider to be in the gray area just because, you know, the source of it. We're not always completely sure about that. So um, see how it makes you feel. If you're familiar with clean fasting, then you should notice a difference. If you drink it and then feel hungry or feel like you have a crash or get shaky, then you'll know it's not something that works for you. You should not have it. But you could always just add some baking soda to some regular sparkling water if you wanted to do that. What do you think, Melanie? Melanie?
0: Yeah, I like what you said. And then so for listeners, if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode fifty-eight, I'll put a link to the episode where we actually talked about citric acid in more detail. And it's it's sad. I want to really understand citric acid. I know it relates to the Krebs cycle. I know it's like this crazy like thing, but I just I d I don't understand all of that and its complexity. I I know, I know it, it somehow relates to that, but I think it just goes so but on the layman's terms and on just the the normal level of everything, I think if it makes you hungry, it's probably a problem. If not, it's probably okay. And I will say, Christina, I mean I'm guessing it's working for you and you're not experiencing digestional problems or anything, but it is good to know that baking soda is going to neutralize stomach acid. So for listeners who have GI or digestion problems, you probably don't want to have that right before eating, for example. I'm just going to throw that out there. That's just me. All right. And so the rest of Christina's question, she says, number two, I love exercising during my fast and have no issues with it, but I must do my workout at 7 a.m. before work and I don't eat until 12 p.m. What do you think about continuing to fast right after the workout for five hours? Aren't you supposed to eat right after you exercise? The only problem with exercising and then waiting to eat is that I get super hungry. In fact, I'm super hungry in general. I'm not overweight. I'm 5'4", around 130 pounds. Last fall, I wanted to lose my baby weight and just had issues keeping my weight down in my 30s. I used to be only 120 to 125 pounds with no problem, and I exercised a lot and ran half marathons, but in my 30s, it's been such a struggle. I have helped a lot, and by January, I had lost 7 pounds, but since then, I've been hungry a lot, stopped fasting on weekend mornings, and I have regained about 3 of those pounds. I know I should shorten my eating window, etc., but honestly, I'm hungry all the time, especially the last few hours before lunch. I eat a light paleo lunch of salad and tofu, then a regular dinner. Melanie, I'm reading your book, and it's great. I am, in fact, vegan, so I appreciate your recipe variations as I eat vegan and gluten-free, but I don't include any animal products. I like the recipes a lot, but I've been into nutrition and vegan cooking for years, so they are along the same lines. Sometimes I wish I could eat meat. I can't for animal rights reasons. To lower my carb intake, and your meat recipes sound amazing. But I do like how I can adapt most of them to be vegan by either using garden patties, veggie chicken patties, or upping the carbs a little and using lentils or tofu. Also, in case you need any more food for thought for the podcast, as I mentioned before, I had a lot of I had a lot of success with IF in the fall and throughout the holidays. Then I started getting lax about it two months ago eating some gluten again like pasta and crackers and eating throughout the day on weekends and my weight went right up. My pants that were super loose are now tight. I really believe that as I get older, I'm 39, I need to be super careful about what and how much I eat. So I'm going to go back to a more paleo plus legumes way of eating and go back to 17, seven, seven days per week to see if it helps. All right. Well, thank you so much, Christina. I'm so happy that you love the recipes that makes me happy <laughs> um i do have in the book uh, my book is called what when Wine, lose weight and feel great with paleo style meals intermittent fasting and wine and there are 50 recipes in there and there are vegan recipes so i'm glad that those worked for you but so back to her question about i guess exercising
3: during the fast so what do you think about that jen well, that there's a lot of info in there, and I'm gonna pull some of it out. First of all, Christina, you said, "Aren't you supposed to eat right after you exercise?" And I'm gonna just gonna say right off the bat, that's conventional advice that we've we've heard. You know, you have to like, or and now they like want you to sandwich your workout between like have a little something before and then workout and then have a little something right after. And we've talked about this issue on the podcast before, but no, you actually do not have to eat right after you exercise your body does not need the to have the nutrients immediately. Your body is actually in the process of recycling things and using things. So no, you do not have to give yourself something immediately in order to have that fuel. Because, I mean, think about it. Your body, when you eat something, it doesn't immediately become accessible, right? It has to go through the process of being digested and assimilated. So, I mean, you don't need to have it immediately right after you eat. Now, you are saying that as for soon right after as you, you work exercise. out. Oh, what did I say right after <laughs> yeah, you? But yeah, but they, they got it. Sorry. They got it. You do not need to have it right after you work out. Um, so I notice you're talking about being really, really hungry all the time. So it seems that you've been doing intermittent fasting for a while. So the fact that you're still so hungry would not be typical. So I'm going to throw a couple things out. First of all, I wonder what you might be drinking during the fast. Um, believe it or not, some people find that black coffee makes them hungry, certain teas, even, even ones that are, you know, safe for fasting do make them hungrier. So really pay attention to what you're drinking and see if you can find a relationship between that. You know, I assume that you're fasting clean, but if you're not, that really could be it. Well, we know she's um,
0: drinking the, the Alka-Seltzer.
3: That's true. <laughs> I wonder if the alka Seltzer's making her hungrier. That's a, that's a good point. Um,
0: because this was yeah. the second part of her question. Yeah,
3: you're right. You're right. So, um, maybe the Alka-Seltzer is making you hungrier. That would be that would be interesting. Although I don't think you have it every day, but some people just find that even like coffee, they once they give that up, they they are like, oh, now the fasting's easier. So think about that. The other thing is perhaps um, you may need to work out a little bit less. You know, we think back to our grandparents' day, and they were pretty much they understood that, you know, they called working out or that they didn't, they didn't actually work out. They just did work (laughs) and they called it working up a good appetite. So, you know, our, our body links, you know, a lot of exertion to, to having an increased appetite. I find that to be true for me as well. Um, you know, whenever I did more exercise, I found that I was hungrier and that's just a natural part of it. So perhaps, um, you may do better with not working out as many days per week as you have been, or you could do something gentler. I'm not really not really sure what um, what else you might enjoy doing, or what your workout actually is, because she didn't say exactly what the workout was. So, what do you think, Melanie?
0: Yeah i I agree with everything that you said. If if her main issue, like she said, is dealing with the hunger, so I definitely think fiddling. With everything here, I think there's fiddling to be done, especially if she's exercising and hungry and not losing the weight something's something is not working, yeah,
3: you would think that you should be you know accessing stored fat during the fast, and that would keep your body from being as hungry so
0: so I think I like what you said, I think um either maybe changing the timing of your exercising, doing a little bit less exercise. I mean, it seems ironic to think that doing less exercise could actually make you lose more weight, but it's very possible, especially if it's putting you into a super stressed mode and so then your body's holding on to fat more than it should be. That's a possibility. So maybe taking it just a little bit easier and focusing more on cultivating, you know, a not-stressed mindset, maybe fiddling. I know she's playing around a lot with what she's eating, but um, maybe fiddling with that a little bit more so that you're not as hungry. So she's vegan, like we talked about. She's often talking about upping the carbs a little bit with lentils and tofu and stuff, but maybe, maybe Christina, you might actually benefit more from upping the fats, adding some, like, olive oil, some more coconut oil, Things like that, that might actually help your satiety more than focusing on the carb aspect, especially like coconut oil, because that's that has a thermogenic effect and it stimulates the metabolism. So that might be a way to both increase your metabolism and feel fuller. And you could also try doing a one meal a day approach as well, because then you're going to get to eat a lot more at one time, especially if you work especially if you focus on the fats so then maybe you could create like a really satiating meal because it might be that eating both lunch and dinner is kind of keeping you hungry rather than getting it all in feeling satiated and then starting over so lots of stuff to experiment with for sure but i definitely think you can find what works for you it's just going to take more experimenting
3: Yeah, I think that's a great point. Dr. Herring talks about this in his appetite correction book that, you know, there's no one right window length for everybody, but when you find the right one, that's when you experience what he named appetite correction. So perhaps Christina does need a shorter window to find that.
0: Yeah, like for me personally, and I know I keep talking about like gaining weight. So I keep experimenting with having a longer window and eating more throughout the day rather than all at once. But I honestly just find that that makes me hungrier and doesn't seem to be doing anything effective. I'd rather just eat more in a shorter window because then I feel better in general overall, but I'm still taking in more calories.
3: Yeah, even yesterday when I ate twice, it was I, I, I like to just think, and I no longer formally time my window, but I was like, counted it up, and it was still within <laughs> – Five hour window. It actually, I think, it was like four hours.
0: <laughs> it's it's interesting. On the days that I do open up earlier, out of curiosity and experimentation, it does end up being a similar window because I feel like I stopped eating earlier. Yeah. The only difference is I am hungry all day and and not productive. So right.
3: <laughs> it's like, what does it matter? Yeah. Well, see, we had that whole thing at school this week. This past week was Teacher Appreciation Week, and there was food every day. The first day we had like Mexican food lunch. And then the second day we had leftovers from the Mexican food lunch. And then we had like coffee brought in with lattes and everything. And then we had pizza one day. I mean, it was like literally something every single day during the week. And I have finally gotten to the point where I no longer want to eat those things during the day at work because I know they're going to make me tired and I hungrier. I so
0: lethargic.
3: Yeah. It, it's awful. I crash. Yeah. So I looked at the Mexican food when people were eating it and it smelled so good. And I was like, you know, I could totally have that. It wouldn't mess me up. I wouldn't gain. I no longer am worried that I'm going to gain weight from having extra meals. I know that I'm not. So it would have tasted good. It would have been, like, entertaining while I was eating it. But I was like, I just don't want to feel like that the rest of the afternoon. So uh-uh, I'm not going to eat it. And this is the really the first time. That, like a whole week of it, and I never was like, I'm just going to have it today because I want to. I didn't want it the whole week, and it was, it was very, very interesting.
0: Yeah, I feel like I'm experimenting with eating earlier because I feel like I have to, to to put on the weight, but I really don't think it's helping. I think protein is a thing that I definitely do not do well with during the day, unless it's just protein, ironically enough. Like, it's like when I combine the things that I get really lethargic. So, if I have like just fat, like just MCT oil or just coconut oil or something, that's okay. Even if I have like just fruit, I get super hungry, but I don't get lethargic and tired. It's when I have like protein and fat. So,
3: like a meat type meal or something that makes you tired, like a lion having its big kill and then <laughs> needs a nap. Oh, no, <laughs> I know. And then I'm just
0: wired and tired. And then I'm at night, it's just.
3: Yeah. Ugh. Yes. I just like one meal a day. That's Me too. That's what yeah. works for me. <laughs> it's how I feel so good. Yeah. All right. So we're ready to go on to our next question? Yes. From Jennifer. This is from Jennifer. And her subject is fruit. And she says, Hello, ladies. Thank you for sharing all of your research and wisdom about intermittent fasting. I have read both of Jen's books and am a member of her One Meal a Day Facebook group, I have pre-ordered Melanie's book. I have listened to many of your podcasts. Also, I have read many of the books suggested about IF. Like Melanie, I have a long history of food and digestion issues. I currently follow a paleo diet and have been following IF since the beginning of October. And here's just a note. We received this question um, way back (laughs) on November 2nd of 17. So it's been... um, It's been months since we received this question, but we get so many. So I'm sorry, Jennifer, it's taken us so long to get to it. But then she says, so far, I can fast until 3 p.m. daily and try to maintain a five-hour window. I am not too focused on weight loss, although that is my ultimate goal. Right now, I want to get fat adapted, and eventually I hope to fast every day until 5 p.m. with an eating window of 5 to 10 p.m. I am patient and persistent, and I trust the process. I am still very confused about fruit and whether or not I should be eating it, and if so, when I should be eating it. I read that fructose cannot be converted into glycogen, so any extra fructose is just stored as fat. I know that I do not feel good when I eat a lot of fruit, and I have often felt that when I have eaten a lot of fruit, usually on vacation, when every evening meal is concluded with fruit, that I gain weight. Since I started eating paleo a couple of years ago, I have eaten a paleo-approved bar for breakfast every day. Every bar contains three egg whites, six almonds, four cashews, and two dates. I wanted to open my eating window with one of these bars at 3 p.m. and then eat my actual dinner between 5 and 6, but I am concerned that the two dates have too much fructose and might hinder my ability to lose weight and or achieve a fat-burning state. Can you advise me on this? Thank you for all of your help and assistance learning how to adapt to this way of eating. I am looking forward to your book as I am paleo too. Jennifer.
0: Alrighty, Jennifer. So hopefully you received my book by now, which I'm guessing you did. And it does have a whole section on fruit and fructose. So hopefully that section, hopefully you read that section. Hopefully it helped you. But I will talk a little bit about all of that now. So first of all, fruit is not just fructose and fructose is a little bit misunderstood because it's kind of been wrapped in with high fructose corn syrup which is not the same thing so basically fructose and glucose those are simple sugars and then there's sucrose which is a combination of fructose and glucose fruits are not just pure fructose despite what you may think they actually tend to be a combination of fructose and glucose in a pretty well-assimilated manner. So for people who don't struggle with fruit, I don't encourage people to stress about the fructose or anything like that. It's really the refined version of fructose. When we take it from the fruit, when we get that really refined sugar, which especially, like I said, started with high fructose corn syrup, that's where all of the studies that involve the, the the fat game and the inflammation and all the problems from fructose, they're, most of them are really coming from that refined form of fructose in our modern processed world. They're not looking at fruit in its whole form, which is um, a more, like I said, assimilated form of sugar, better processed by the body. And then also it comes with the water, it comes with the fiber, it comes with the nutrients. So I really encourage people to separate fruit from fructose. That said, some people do have smell malabsorption issues. And if that's the case, fruit might be a problem for you. So if you experience gas and bloating and things like that with fruit, that is a very likely thing. So that's something to keep in mind. And it might be that certain fruits work for you, other fruits don't. Um, so for example, like the low FODMAP diet, which really focuses on fermentability of fruits and GI distress and things like that, uh, the low-fodmap fruits are things like pineapple. That's why I eat so much pineapple. It doesn't really bother me. Um, berries, things like that. Whereas things like like apples are high in fermentable carbohydrates. Um, a lot of other fruits are more problematic. Like grapes are, I, I think, okay. But then things like pears, apples, not so much. Watermelon, not so much. So it really goes back to the type of fruit. So as for Jennifer's question about weight gain and fruit, some people, it's really an individual thing. Some people add in fruit and they gain weight. Some people add in fruit and they lose weight. I actually, when I started adding in fruit, I started, I lost weight since then. Um, So it's really an individual thing and, um, Food combining is also something to keep in mind, so eating fruit, it, it it's so difficult to figure out what works best because on the one hand, eating fruit by itself, if you can do that and you don't get hypoglycemic from it, that's a, a good way to eat fruit, but then a lot of people find that they eat fruit alone, they get really hungry after, so that can potentially be a problem. On the flip side, if you combine fruit with fat and protein and other different food sources, that can create like bloating and GI distress. So that can be a problem. But then if it's not a problem for you, then it can work. So like I said, it's I can't give like one specific answer. So Jennifer, you say you you, you know you do not feel good when you eat a lot of fruit. So if you know you don't feel good when you eat a lot of fruit, don't eat a lot of fruit. <laughs> like I wouldn't worry about the um, – the mechanisms behind it and the fructose and and overanalyzing just if you know it doesn't make you feel good don't do it and then as far as the the breakfast bars again you're i think you're really focusing on like the fructose from the two dates in the bar rather than just the bar overall how it makes you feel basically i wouldn't super stress about it i would just see i would do, be, more be more experimental be more experimental and see how the things affect you so if you have the bar see if it makes you hungry after see how it affects your weight loss just see how things go rather than really focusing on the fructose and the mechanisms behind it because in the end it's more about what you're experiencing and what the actual effects are rather than the intense science of what's going on. And I'm a really bad person to say that because I overanalyze every single thing and super research. So <laughs> um, I do exactly what you're doing, but um, yeah, those are my thoughts. Those are kind of all over the place, but what are your thoughts, Jen?
3: Yeah, you hit all the, the highlights that I was going to say as well. The The main thing that I, I circled you know, on the, the question was when she said that she does not feel good when she eats a lot of fruit and that would be the, the deciding thing for me you need to make sure that you're focusing on things that make you feel great and then also about the bar two dates I would not worry about <laughs> two dates definitely so I think I think you had all the the points that that I was going to make um it's really just a matter of eating until you're satisfied choosing foods that make you feel good so when you know a food doesn't make you feel great you, you need to eat less of that food so that would be my suggestion with that. Just like you said, Melanie.
0: As far as achieving a fat burning state, she was asking about that and fructose. I think it's really also a matter of context looking at what you're eating, what you're doing. It's not like you're focusing on, for example, like a ketogenic diet or something. That that's a situation where those two dates like could be a problem because you're trying to do a you're trying to cultivate a very specific metabolic state twenty-four seven. But if you're eating a mixed diet, I think it it has less effect. Like fruit can does is going to fill liver glycogen. She says that she's read fructose cannot be converted into glycogen. Fructose is preferentially used as glycogen and energy in the liver. It doesn't rapidly go to your muscles per se, that those glycogen stores. So that might be what you're thinking about. But um it is going to be used for energy in the liver.
2: Hi, friends. Now, if you're anything like me, you love biohacking, intermittent fasting, and getting feedback and data on what our bodies are doing. Now, when we do intermittent fasting or extended or prolonged fasting, it's hard to get feedback sometimes on how our bodies are doing in terms of fat burning and ketosis. This is one of the reasons that I created the Tone device, which is a breath ketone analyzer. It can tell you the rate of fat burning your body is in by detecting the ketones on your breath. If you practice intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, do an occasional 24-hour fast like once a week or prolonged or extended fasting, it's likely your body is getting into light ketosis. If you are doing keto or low-carb, even sometimes paleo, you may be getting into a deeper state of fat burning and ketosis. If you do a high-carb diet, then you probably get into a light state of ketosis after some fasting. What I love about the tone is that you can simply breathe into it for about four to five seconds, and it will give you instant feedback on the rate of fat burning that your body is at. Now, when we are in ketosis, our bodies are at their highest rate of fat burning, which is what is so neat. We actually breathe out our fat. So the carbons that we are measuring with the tone device are actually coming from our fat. When we practice different approaches like intermittent fasting or doing time restricted eating, lower carb diets, or keto approaches, our bodies actually make a metabolic switch where fat becomes our primary fuel. And the body takes fat and converts it into ketones in the liver. About 15 to 20% of those circulating ketones are then diffused through our lungs, out in our breath. And it is so amazing. I absolutely love using the Tone every single day. I love the biofeedback, especially when I am doing any kind of fasting. And I can see my body gradually get into a deeper and deeper state of fat burning through those ketone levels going higher and higher. Now, one of the reasons I created the Tone is because testing blood ketones is cost prohibitive. The test strips are extremely expensive. They are wasteful. You no longer have to buy test strips anymore. You can just breathe into the Tone device for four to five seconds and get that instant feedback. It's a one-time investment and you'll be able to test an unlimited amount of times. So I always recommend testing with the Tone device fasted first thing in the morning and testing up until you have your first meal of the day and you will be able to see different... Differences there, especially if you do a longer fast, you'll see the ketones go higher and higher. And it really is so great to get that biofeedback. Now for the past year and a half, I've been working on a brand new version of the tone, the second generation tone device, and I am so excited for it to soon be available to you all. I wanted to create a special launch discount for the tone device so that any of you who are interested can take advantage of that discount. I I've never discounted the Tone device before, but if you are signed up to the exclusive VIP list, you will receive that launch discount. To sign up for the list, you can go to tonedevice.com and enter your name and email address, and you will receive an email which you can confirm to double opt-in, and you'll be the first to know when the new second generation Tone device is available to order, and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. I am so So excited for you all to try it. So be sure to go and sign up at tonedevice.com. All right. Now back to our show.
0: We have another fruit question, but a little bit different. This one comes from Krista. She says, hi, ladies. I'm listening in Canada. I started IF with a window of four to five hours. Today, I'm feeling the energy you ladies talked about. I'm wondering how you both feel about canned or frozen veggies or fruits. I do hear that if you have canned, it's best to jump, the. it's best to dump the juice or water out and rinse the fruit and veggies. I honestly feel like you guys have changed my whole view on food. Thanks so much. I love your podcast so much. I think this question, Krista, has been in our, our lineup for the past, like, seven episodes <laughs> and we just never got to it. So, Jen, what are your thoughts?
3: All right. Yes. Um. Great question, and you know, you may assume that not, um, that canned vegetables are not as good. You know, many people may think that, oh, it's in the can, it's more processed, it's not going to be as good for you, so I need to avoid it. Actually, canned vegetables can have benefits that um, that you want. So they, there can be benefits to having the frozen or the canned vegetables. For example, many vegetables that are are harvested. You know, once they're harvested, then they have to, you know, go around and get to you. And by the time if you're eating like, let's say fresh peas, I'm gonna use that as an example. Let's say the peas are harvested, then they go where they need to be, to the store, then finally they get to you. Actually there's a little nutrient degradation that goes on, you know, as the peas have yeah, the longer they are away from the process or from the the harvesting. So let's imagine that they're picked and now they are immediately processed and frozen, for example. That actually preserves the nutrients very well. So you're getting the benefit of the, the peak of freshness when you eat those peas that have been frozen versus the ones that have taken a while to get to you from the store. So that's one reason why you can actually get more nutrients in the, the frozen vegetables. Also tomatoes, for an example. You know, you can um, buy canned tomatoes, and I've actually read that canning is good for certain things like tomatoes because the heat releases lycopene, which is actually good for us. So, you know, I say personally, I try not to overthink it. You know, I am going to eat what is available and around me in whatever form works for me. You know, I'll eat a fresh tomato picked out of the garden. I'll also eat a canned tomato. Same with you know frozen vegetables if if I like the frozen vegetable, I will eat the frozen vegetable or I'll eat it fresh or I'll eat it canned. They all just taste different, for example, I like a certain brand of canned peas that my mother always bought, and I love that brand of canned peas and if I'm gonna do something with peas, I'm gonna want that specific brand oh, and don't buy the the wrong brand like my husband has done <laughs> I will send him back, so I really think you know, you're not going to suffer from having anything frozen or canned. And you might actually get benefits that were not there from the fresh, um, depending on on what what it is and how long it's been since it was harvested. Um, one caveat about canned foods that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are aware of um, is BPA in the, the lining of the can. So you may want to choose a brand that has BPA-free lining. You know, that's pretty easy to do these days. A lot of especially organic um, companies are using cans that are not lined with BPA. So, you know, I I don't worry about it as much. And I like to think that um, you're actually getting some benefits from some of those. What do you think, Melanie?
0: Yeah, I like what you said. In general, it's great that you're eating fruits and vegetables over processed foods. Anyway, (laughs) like I think that should be the overall big picture. If listeners are curious though, I did do some specific research on canning versus freezing versus not doing anything. So ideally we'd be growing things in our backyard and picking them when they're at their freshest peak of freshness and that's when the nutrients are going to be at their prime. Everything's going to be the greatest, but who lives like that? I wish. I wish. So I did do some research on the different methods and how they affect the nutrients in fruits and vegetables. And it's actually pr- pretty fascinating. And it, it's very variable. So basically, every fruit and vegetable, one method is going to make it better. One method's going to make it worse. It's just like all over the place. In general, though, so water-soluble vitamins like vitamin C, vitamin B, or the B vitamins – those are often initially damaged if the the produce is blanched or heat processed, but then they're kind of stable after that. Um, so, for example, vegetables are more often blanched before canning, whereas fruit is typically just frozen or canned in its natural state. But if people are interested about the specifics, so for example, like vitamin C, so canning things... Tend to result in a, lo- a loss of 8 to 90% of vitamin C. So it's a huge range. So, like beets, for example, apparently when you can them, they only lose 8% of their vitamin C, but carrots lose 90%, which is kind of crazy. Freezing was probably better for vitamin C for canning. It averaged around a 50% loss, but again, it ranged from 10 to 80%. The B vitamins were also sort of all over the place. It's interesting, like, the the polyphenol compounds found in fruits and vegetables, those were also all over the place, and some of them actually found that they increased. So, like, Jen, you were saying with the tomatoes, that it increased. So, some were finding that um, it increased. In general, freezing was better, though. Things like carotenoids, those could actually increase in some versions of canning. Things like minerals and fiber tend to be more stable. The basic overall um, conclusion is that it's all over the place. In general, in general, if you go like super general, I think freezing is a little bit better. But like I said, it is all over the place. And then Jen mentioned BPA. So that is actually a pretty big problem. So BPA has been linked, at least in rodent studies, to a ton of hormonal problems, um, endocrine disruption, problems with like the prostate. It was actually almost scary um, the things that it could do in rats. And of course, those are rats, not humans. But still, um, I think it's definitely a big problem. And I was looking at a post about it on Mark's Daily Apple, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But it was he was talking about how the FDA was basically saying that BPA is, I mean, they put a limit on it, but they were it was not too crazy. But then a Consumer Reports analysis looked at it and found like the complete opposite, like um, that it was much more detrimental, and that the the amount of BPA we should be exposed to should be like way, way, way less. And they even found that a single serving, for example, of Del Monte green beans would put a 165-pound adult at 80 times past the daily limit that Consumer Reports recommended for safety. So definitely, definitely look for BPA-free cans, especially with tomatoes because they're really acidic and apparently they can leach the bpa
3: well, now I'm, I'm pretty much thinking my favorite brand of peas probably is not BPA-free, and I'm going to have to look. I wonder if they have an organic version. It's Lesur is the kind I like. Do you know those peas, those little tiny baby peas in the silver can? Like English peas? I used to love those. Well, they're like in the silver can, and they're a little tiny, and they're sweeter. I used to love English peas growing
0: up, but my mom didn't like them, so she would never make them. Oh. But <laughs> – they're
3: so good. No. Yeah, I love them. They, they're they're so good. There's like a um, there's a pasta that I make with them that has like the little little pasta and it has sausage and a little bit of spice in there and then you put peas in it too and like heavy cream and parmesan. It is so good and the peas just give it that little burst of sweetness. Love them. I love every kind of bean, pea or legume. All of that. All right, I think we have time for one more question, and this one is from Tom, and the subject is energy benefits and sleep and building lean mass. Tom says, hi, ladies. I'm gripped by your podcast. It's fantastic. Thank you, Tom. I have been fasting now for three weeks on a daily 16-8 plan with primary aim to reap energy benefits. I don't need to lose any weight, would like to gain lean mass, if anything. I lift weights two or three times a week, and have an intense one-on-one personal boxing session on a Sunday night. Thing is, I have two kids, two and three years old. Me and my fiancé both work full-time, so periods of rest are near non-existent. I get between five and six hours of broken sleep a night. My question is, is this enough resting time for my body to feel the energy and muscle-building benefits? I have a high-protein diet and mesomorphic metabolism. I know there's a lot there, but if you could help, that would be great. Many thanks, Tom in the UK. What do you think, Melanie? Hi, Tom. Well, thank you so much for your question. So
0: it's an interesting question. So basically the question is, am I sleeping enough to build the muscle with the the lifestyle and everything? And sleep is huge. (laughs) So sleep is really, really important. It's important for metabolism. It's important for muscle synthesis. It's important for health. It's important for so many things. And so if you find that you're not getting adequate sleep, I would definitely encourage you, if you can, to focus on getting more sleep, less exercise. It, it, for my personal opinion and the, the priority issue, I put the sleep over the exercise and not over exercising. There is the question, though, of do you feel energetic? So, I mean, are, and are you building muscle? So if... You do feel energetic and you are building muscle, and you have this lifestyle and it's working for you, then it's working for you. But I do think the sleep is definitely something to keep in mind. Um, When you don't have enough sleep, it can lead to insulin resistance, it can hamper muscle building. So that can definitely be a problem. Although that said, I did find a study, and Dr. Jason Fung actually talks about this, where in the study, people who weren't stressed didn't experience the problems of insulin resistance from lack of sleep. Did you, do you remember that, Jen? It was in the obesity code.
3: Yeah, I, there's so much inside that book, the obesity code. I can't remember that detail, but it makes sense. Stress is such a problem that if, if you're not stressed, that, that I think you would have less of the, the problems. Because he was talking about weight loss and sleep and how sleep
0: deprivation lead, led to... Uh, insulin resistance and would undermine weight loss but it was fascinating they didn't find that people who were not stressed and
3: still sleep deprived didn't have those negative effects I don't remember that but I'm going to say one thing that if Tom has a two year old and a three year old he is stressed (laughs) I would pretty much bet yeah there is like zero more stressful time in your life than that toddlerhood oh except teenage years those are pretty stressful (laughs)
0: I think it's a really interesting question, Tom, because I feel like you're asking us permission to not sleep and do your exercise and everything. And um, I would really encourage you to focus more on the sleep, but, yeah.
3: It is also hard to sleep with toddlers. I, I mean, they, like, get up and they come on to your room and they're like, hello, it's the middle of the night, I'm awake now. And you're like, no, please just sleep. Please just go to bed. It does get better. They they get to a point where then then they're teenagers and they just want to sleep all day long. So you'll have the opposite problem. In about in 10 years, you're not going to be able to <laughs> rouse them until mid-morning, afternoon, something like that.
0: And then also, Tom, uh,
3: I will say intermittent fasting is
0: great for gaining lean mu- muscle mass, contrary to what a lot of people think. I encourage you to check out the Lean Gains website that's – um martin birkin's website and it's all about intermittent fasting and muscle building so that would actually be a better resource for your specific question i don't know if he talks about sleep and stuff but i would definitely go there so for listeners if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 58 i'll put a link to that there any other thoughts about tom's question
3: no i think that that you handled it all just um yeah Try to get more sleep if you can, but I understand that you might not be able to at this point. It's just a tough, tough period of time. You know, my, my boys were close together, and I don't know. I didn't get a good night's sleep from 1998 until, like, 2005. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. This has been great.
0: <laughs> yeah, it
3: has. It's been a, a great episode, and we've got some good questions.
0: A few things for listeners before we go. Like I said, if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 58, that's where we will put links um, and references and everything that we talked about. You can see all of that there. You can also go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, and that's where we put links to all the stuff that we like. So that's where we have links to like the tastes and books and supplements and just everything. So that will all be there. Something I keep forgetting to mention you can actually support our podcast on Patreon if you go to patreon.com slash ifpodcast. So we put a lot of <laughs> time, and we love doing it, but we do put a lot of time and energy into creating the podcast. And if, um, if any support that people would love to give would really mean the world and help so much. Uh, so yeah, that's something to keep in mind. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at ifpodcast. And lastly, you can also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, and then you'll get the episodes downloaded automatically each and every week. And while you're in iTunes, if you'd like to leave a brief review, that would also mean the world. So, anything from you, Jen, before we go? How much longer for your school? You have like a week.
3: Well, I have I have one more week to teach. Like I'm teaching five more days, but I'm I'm stopping after there'll be one more week that the kids are there um that I will not teach them because it's like field day and career day and all the special days in the last week so i have i have 12 more working days to go to but five of them are teaching which is so weird it's so weird to think about that and then i see by the time this episode airs the kids will be done but i will still have two more work days that are like teacher work days so when this airs i have two more teacher work days But as of right now, I have to go to work 12 more times. So I am really like taking very little with me out of my classroom. So, you know, I've already brought home like one box and I have like a, I'm just leaving it. (laughs) It's a great feeling. Wonderful. All right. Well, I will talk to you
0: next week. And the gin that I talk to next week
3: will be done when when people
0: listen, teaching children. yeah. I mean, we'll we'll
3: we'll yeah. When when we talk next week, I will be done teaching children.
0: Oh, you'll be done teaching children and when people listen next week, oh yeah. You'll be done, done, done. Done,
3: done. Yeah, exactly. That's so exciting. It's winding down 28 years coming to a close. Well, I will talk to you then. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the intermittent fasting podcast. Please remember the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice we're not doctors check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us theme music was composed by Leland Cox
1: see you next week